Chapter Twenty Nine of The Reason Why. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Reason Why by Robert Kemp Philp. Chapter Twenty Nine. Six hundred fourteen. What is thunder? Thunder is the noise which succeeds the rush of the electrical fluid through the air. 615. Why does noise follow the commotion caused by electricity? Because, by the violence of the electric force, vast fields of air are divided, great volumes of air are rarefied, and vapors are condensed and thrown down as rain. Thunder is therefore caused by the vibrations of the air as it collapses and seeks to restore its own equilibrium. 616. Why is the thunder peal sometimes loud and continuous? Because the electrical discharge takes place at a considerable distance, and the vibrations are affected in their course by mountains and valleys, because also the forked arms of the lightning strike out in different directions, causing the sounds of thunder to reach us from varying distances. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job 25 618 Why has the thunder peal sometimes a low grumbling noise? because the electrical discharges, though violent, take place far away, and the vibrations of the air become subdued. 619. Why does the thunder peal sometimes follow immediately after the flash of lightning? Because the discharge of electricity takes place near the hearer. 620. Why does the thunder peal sometimes occur several seconds after the flash? because the discharge takes place far away, and light travels with a much greater velocity than sound. 621. Through what distance will the sound of thunder travel? Some twenty or thirty miles, according to the direction of the wind and the violence of the peal. 622. Through what distance will the light of lightning travel? The light of lightning and its reflections will penetrate through a distance of from a hundred and fifty to two hundred miles. 623. How may we calculate the distance at which the electrical discharge takes place? Sound travels at a rate of a quarter of a mile in a second. If, therefore, the peal of thunder is heard four seconds after the flash of lightning, the discharge took place about a mile off. The pulse of an adult person beats about once in a second. Therefore, guided by the pulse, any person may calculate the probable distance of the storm. Two beats, one-half mile. Three beats, three-quarter of a mile. Four beats, one mile. Five beats, one and one-quarter miles. Six beats, one and one-half miles. Seven beats, one and three quarters miles, eight beats, two miles, etc. Attention should be paid 
to the direction and speed of the wind, and some modifications of the calculation be made accordingly. Persons between 20 and 40 years of age should count five beats of the pulse to a mile, under 20, six beats. The clouds poured out water, the skies sent out a sound, thine arrows also went abroad. 624. Why are electric storms more frequent in hot than in cold weather? Because of the greater evaporation, as the effect of heat, and also of the effect of heat upon the particles of all bodies. 625. Why do electric storms frequently occur after a duration of dry weather? Because dry air, being a bad conductor, prevents the opposite electricities from finding their equilibrium. 626. Why is a flash of lightning generally succeeded by heavy rain? Because the electrical discharge destroys the vesicles of the vapors. If a number of small soap bubbles floating in the air were suddenly broken by a violent commotion of the atmosphere, the thin films of the bubbles would form drops of water and fall like rain. 627. Why is an electrical discharge usually followed by a gust of wind? Because the equilibrium of the atmosphere is disturbed by the heat and velocity of lightning and the condensation of vapor. Air, therefore, rushes towards those parts where a degree of vacuity or rarefaction has been produced. 628. What is a thunderbolt? The name thunderbolt is applied to an electrical discharge when the lightning appears to be developed with the greatest intensity around a nucleus or center, as though it contained a burning body. But there is, in reality, no such thing as a thunderbolt. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Psalm 29 629. Why do electrical storms purify the air? Because they restore the equilibrium of electricity, which is essential to the salubrity of the atmosphere. They intermix the gases of the atmosphere by agitation. They precipitate the vapors of the atmosphere, and with the precipitation of vapors, noxious exhalations are taken to the earth, where they become absorbed. They also contribute largely to the formation of ozone, which imparts to the air corrective and restorative properties. 630. What is ozone? Ozone is an atmospheric element recently discovered and respecting which differences of opinion prevail. It is generally supposed to be oxygen in a state of great strength, constituting a variety of form or condition. 631. Why do we know that electricity contributes to the formation of ozone? Because careful observations have established the fact that the proportion of ozone in the atmosphere is relative to the amount of electricity. 632. What are the properties of ozone? It displays an extraordinary power in the neutralization of putrefactions rapidly and thoroughly counteracting 
noxious exhalations. It is the most powerful of all disinfectants. Schoenbeam, the discoverer of ozone, inclines to the opinion that it is a new chemical element. Whatever it may be, there can be no doubt that it plays an important part in the economy of nature. Its absence has been marked by pestilential ravages, as in the cholera visitations, and to its excess are attributed epidemics, such as influenza. It was found during the last visitation of cholera that the fumigation of houses with sulfur had a remarkable efficacy in preventing the spread of the contagion. The combustion of sulfur ozonized the atmosphere. The same result occurs through the emission of phosphoric vapors. Ozone is also developed by the electricity evolved by the electrical machine and in the greater electrical phenomena of nature. The smell imparted to the air during an electric storm is identical with that which occurs in the vicinity of an electrical apparatus. It is a fresh and sulfurous odor. The opinion is gaining ground that the respiration of animals and the combustion of matter are sources of ozone, and that plants produce it when under the influence of the direct rays of the sun. It is also believed to be produced by water when the sun's rays fall upon it. The most recent opinion respecting ozone is that it is electrized oxygen. The subject is of vast importance and opens another field of discovery to the pioneers of scientific truth. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Psalm 67 633. What is magnetism? Magnetism is the electricity of the earth and is characterized by the circulation of currents of electricity passing through the earth's surface. 634. What are magnetic bodies? Magnetic bodies are those that exhibit phenomena which show that they are under the influence of terrestrial electricity and which indicate the direction of the poles or extreme points of magnetic force. 635. What is galvanism? Galvanism is the action of electricity upon animal bodies and is so called from the name of its first discoverer, Galvani. 636. What is voltaic electricity? Voltaic electricity is the electricity that is developed during chemical changes and is so called after Volta, who enlarged upon the theory of Galvani. 637. What are the differences between mechanical or frictional electricity, voltaic electricity, galvanism, and magnetism? Frictional electricity is electricity suddenly liberated under the effects of the motion or the mechanical disturbance of bodies. Voltaic electricity is a steady flow of an electric current arising from the gradual changes of chemical phenomena. Galvanism and voltaism are almost identical since the latter is founded upon 
and is a development of the former. But the term galvanism is frequently used when speaking of the development of electricity in animal bodies. Magnetism is the electricity of the earth, and is understood to imply the fixed electricity of terrestrial bodies. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Revelations 19 Man knows not what electricity is, yet by an attentive observance of its effects, he avails himself of the power existing in an unknown source, and produces marvellous results. When the Grecian philosopher Thales sat robbing a piece of amber and watching the attraction of small particles of matter to its surface, he little knew of the mighty power that was then whispering to him its offer to serve mankind. And when Franklin, with the aid of a boy's plaything, drew down an electric current from the clouds and caught a spark upon the knuckles of his hand, even he little conjectured that the time was so near when that strange element, which sent its messenger to him along the string of a kite, would become one of man's most submissive servants. So many great results have sprung from the careful observation of the simplest phenomena that we should never pass over inattentively the most trifling thing that offers itself to our examination. Nature, in her revelations, never seeks to startle mankind. The formation of a rock and the elaboration of a truth are alike the work of ages. It was the simple blackening of silver by the sun's rays which led to the discovery of the chemical agency of light. It was the falling of an apple which pointed Newton to the discovery of the laws of gravitation. It was the force of steam, observed as it issued from beneath the lid of a kettle, that led to the invention of the steam engine. And it is said of Jacquard that he invented the loom which so materially aided the commerce of nations while watching the motions of his wife's fingers as she plied her knitting. As great discoveries spring from such small beginnings, who among us may not be the herald of some great truth, the founder of some world-wide benefaction? That the area of discovery has not perceptibly narrowed its limits is evident from the fact that the greatest elements in nature are still mysteries to man. And, though it may not be within the power of a finite being to unravel the chain of wonders that enfolds the works of an infinite God, still it is evident, from the progress which discovery has made, and from the good which discovery has done, that God does invite and encourage the human mind to contemplate the workings of divine power, and to pursue its manifestations in every element and in every direction. The wonderful force of electricity astonishes us all the more when we view it in contrast with that equally wonderful element, light. We have seen that light travels with a velocity of 192,000 miles in a second, but that it falls upon a delicate balance so gently 
that it produces no perceptible effect. As far as we know the nature of electricity, it is even more ethereal than light. Yet, while the ether of light falls harmlessly and imperceptibly, even with the momentum of a flight of ninety-five millions of miles, the ether of electricity bursting from a cloud only five hundred yards distant will split massive stones, level tall towers with the dust, strike majestic trees to the ground, and instantly extinguish the life of man. Why does the one ether come divested of all mechanical force, while that which seems to be even more ethereal than it is capable of exerting the mightiest force over material things? Does it not appear that the creator of the universe has established these paradoxes of power to testify his omnipotence, to show to man that with him all things are possible, and that, in the grand cosmicism of the universe, every attribute of omnipotence has been fulfilled? And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven, from the throne, saying, It is done. Revelations 16 Let us now consider man's relation to this omnipotence. He sees that electricity smites the tall edifice, and observes that in doing so it displays a choice of a certain substance through which it passes harmlessly, and that its violence is manifested only when its path is interrupted. Man taking advantage of this preference of electricity for a particular conductor, stretches out an arm of that substance and points it upwards to the clouds. Electricity accepts the invitation and passes harmlessly to the earth. But this is not all. Man learns by observation that electricity resides in all nature, that it may be collected or dispersed, that it travels along a good conductor at the rate of half a million miles in a second of time. He constructs a battery, a kind of scientific fortress, in which he encamps the great warrior of nature, and then, laying down a conducting wire, he liberates the mighty force, but its flight must be on the path which man has defined, and its journey must cease at the terminus which man has decreed where, by a simple contrivance of his ingenuity, the movements of a magnetic needle, the electric current is made to deliver whatever message of importance he desires to convey. Thus, the element which, in an instant, might deprive man of life, is subdued by him and made the obedient messenger of his will. End of chapter 29